thank you for great, great people. Thank you for a spiritual family. Thank you for what you're doing among us. Now today we open our spiritual ears to hear. We open our hearts and we ask you to speak to every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share a very simple message today entitled, Your Faith Matters. Your faith matters. And I want you to help me. How many are willing to help me today? Will you, will you help me? About a third of you. Will everybody help me today? I want you to help. I need your help preaching this message. Turn to somebody and tell them, your faith matters. Now, okay, most of you did okay. But if you're going to help me preach, you've got to get the preaching finger up, okay? Look at them and say, your faith matters. Now, go the other direction, even if they're not looking at you, and tell them, your faith matters. There you go. <laughs> Boy, amen. I, I agree with you. I'm going to amen what you're saying today. You know, this past week, I got an email from a family in our church telling about something miraculous God did in their family. And the cool thing was, it happened at the end of service next week. Family in our church got a phone call and something they'd been praying about for months and months and months. Bam, that fast, God worked a miracle and turned some things around. And they got the phone call to give them the news last Sunday morning at the end of service. And I got the email and I was so excited because, you know, a, a church our size, I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives. There are a lot of people I don't know well. But the cool thing is when you hear these stories, you realize God's at work. God is being God in people's lives who will surrender to him. And today, I want to dive into God's Word, and I want to share some things that I hope will encourage you today. Look at Mark chapter 6. Some of you are wondering, what does God really want from me? What does God really want from me? If I can break it down to the simplest terms, what does God want from me? And I'm going to tell you, God wants to be believed. He wants you to believe Him. Now, look at Mark 6, verse 1. Interesting story. This is the introduction of my message. It says, then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now, look at this picture. Jesus is in their synagogue, a place for teaching, and he's working miracles. They've heard the stories of what he's been doing. It's in his own hometown. He's working miracles, and he's teaching things with such authority that they realize this is God speaking to us. Where did this come from? Now look at verse number three. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They were offended at him. Think about it. Jesus is, has been working miracles all in the cities all around. He comes to his own hometown. He shares the word of God. And people don't understand it. They start questioning it. And then suddenly people are offended at what Jesus is teaching. Verse 4. Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. In verse 5, notice the words here. 
Now he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there. Look at those words. It, just, it doesn't say Jesus didn't do or wouldn't do. It says Jesus couldn't do. He was not able to do mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And then verse 6, Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. The word unbelief here really means anti-belief, against belief. Jesus was amazed that people would take on this attitude that says, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. And they looked for reasons not to believe. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. You know, in this passage, there are three things that I want to mention real quickly that really stand out to me when I read this. The first is, Jesus' ministry was filled with healings and miracles. If you read the Gospels, the story of his ministry, constantly, it's miracle after miracle after miracle, healing after healing. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught and he healed. He taught and he healed. They saw it everywhere. But the funny thing is, when Jesus did something miraculous, it always caused a lot of talk, a lot of questions. How did he do that? Where'd this guy come from? Man, I've never seen anything like this, but who is this guy? Does he really have the authority to do that? You know, it seems to me if the guy's working miracles, he must have the authority to do it. But they're asking all these questions, and then worse than that, you throw the religious leaders in with it who are all anti-faith to start with, and then the questions are just keep coming, keep coming, they just are multiplied. And then it turns into a debate. And then they begin to verbally attack Jesus. And scripture says, these people in his own hometown, in church, were offended at him because of what he was doing. Can you imagine being offended at God for being God? Can you imagine being upset at God because he's healing people and working miracles in people's lives? When I got that email this week from a family in our church, my heart rejoiced to realize God's doing great things among us. Let's rejoice in this. I don't need to question it. I don't need to argue about how God's doing it. Let God be God. But I guess beyond that, I'm amazed that people believe God can work miracles, but then they have a dozen arguments as why he may not work miracles. Why is that? Why is that? The second thing in this story says Jesus could do no mighty work there. He only healed a few sick people. Evidently, the anti-faith atmosphere affected the power of God. The attitude that says, no, I'm not going to believe. No, I'm going to question this. I'm not going to get on board with this. It stopped or it hindered his ability to do the work of God. Which tells me this, our faith matters. My faith matters. Your faith matters. Jesus looked for faith. There was no faith and it limited what he could do. And then the, the third thing here, it says Jesus wondered. He marveled. He was just in awe of the fact that people didn't want to believe. You know, I'm amazed when people look for reasons to not believe God. 
especially people in need. It amazes me that instead of believing God, some people will look for reasons to not believe. See, one thing I've learned from this story and from studying scripture, God looks for faith. And because God is looking for faith, God sees faith. He recognizes faith. So, so let me ask you a question today. Before we get into the message, one simple question. If you had been in the crowd that day in that synagogue in Jesus' hometown, if you had been there in that group, ask yourself, what would I have been thinking? Which group would I have been in? Let me show you three things from Scripture about God and faith today. Three things I want to show you. Number one, Jesus was always moved by people's faith. Read the Gospels. Anytime Jesus found faith, it moved him to act. Anytime Jesus found faith, he was working miracles because people were believing for him to work miracles in their lives. Let me give you some illustrations of this. Remember the story of the man who was paralyzed? He had palsy. And he's laying on his sick bed. He can't get up. He can't function on his own. But Jesus comes to town, and they're telling him, man, you need to go see Jesus. And he's like, I, I can't get to Jesus. Scripture says four of his friends came along and picked up his sickbed and carried him to Jesus. And then they got to the house where Jesus was, and they couldn't get in the house because the house was so full of people hearing Jesus. See what they did? They went up on top of the roof, carrying the guy on his sickbed. They got up on top, and they began to rip a hole in the roof until they made a big enough hole that they could let the guy down in the house in front of Jesus. And Scripture said, when Jesus saw their faith, get this, when Jesus saw their faith, he spoke to the man and first of all forgave his sins, and second of all, he healed him. Because he saw their faith. You see, Jesus always is moved by our faith. He looks for faith. He recognizes faith. There's another story of a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. For 12 years, she was hemorrhaging. She spent all of her money on doctors, couldn't find any relief. But one day, she heard about Jesus, and Jesus came to town. And Scripture says she said in her heart, if I can just get close enough to Jesus to touch his clothes, just the, the very hem at the bottom of his robe, if I can get close enough to touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. So she went out looking for Jesus, being motivated and driven by her faith. And she found Jesus surrounded by a mob of people. As he passes through the crowd, everybody's reaching out and touching him and reaching for his attention, talking to him. And she works her way through the crowd. She's weak. She's been sick for 12 years. She's continuing to hemorrhage. And she gets close enough that as Jesus goes by, she reaches out and touches the back of his garment, just the hem of his clothes. And immediately, Scripture says that power, virtue, went out of Jesus' body. And he stopped and looked around and said, who touched me? His disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. He said, no, no, this is different. This wasn't the hand of flesh. This was the hand of faith. Somebody reached out to me believing for something special. Who just touched me? Because power has already gone out. And this woman says it was me and told Jesus the story. And Jesus turned to her and said, Woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. 
See, it was the faith of this woman reaching out to Jesus that brought the miracle into her life. One more story about this. Scripture tells us about Jesus going through a particular town. As he's leaving town, there are two blind men that begin to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus hears them and turns around and says, bring them to me. When they get there, he recognizes they're blind. And he says, do you believe I have the ability to make you whole? And they said, we absolutely believe. And Jesus said to them, according to your faith, let it be to you. And he healed them that day and opened up their blinded eyes. Because he recognized faith. He was moved by their faith. Jesus always sees and is always moved by the faith of people. But then there's a, a second point to this message, and it's this. Jesus always corrected people for their lack of faith or for little faith. Several times in Scripture, Jesus talked about little faith, small faith, no faith. And I want to give you some illustrations of this today. In Scripture, we see a word quite often. It says rebuke. Rebuke really means to verbally correct. It's to stop somebody and say, wait a minute, you're wrong here. That's the wrong direction. Here's the right direction. On many occasions, Jesus rebuked or corrected people for their wrong thinking. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount, thousands of people, Jesus spoke to them and said, many of you are worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to have provision for each day. Jesus said, you have little faith. You need to stop worrying about that because your father knows you need those things and he's going to provide for you. He said, have faith. You're of little faith. Remember when the disciples are out in the storm and Jesus is in the bottom of the boat asleep and Jesus had already said, we're going to the other side, but the storm comes up and the water is tossing into the ship and it's about to sink and some of those disciples on board are fishermen. They know when the boat's full. And they run to Jesus and wake him up and say, Don't you care we're all about to drown here and die? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the storm and gets it to settle down. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Now, i got to be honest with you. If any one of us had been in the boat, we would have had some concerns that night. I know some of you are really super spiritual, but I promise you, you would have been wondering in your own mind, Jesus is sleeping and this boat is full of water. Something is about to happen. We're all prone at times in life to fear. But I think what Jesus is referring to is, I'd already told you we're going to the other side. You could have had authority over this. The one thing I don't want you to do is get in fear about what's going on in your life. Trust God. It's interesting in Mark's gospel, when Mark talked about this, he said, Jesus turned to the disciples and says, how is it that you have no faith? In Luke's gospel, when he talked about this storm, his record declares to us, Jesus turned to them and said, where is your faith? Why is it? Because God is always looking for faith. But he will speak to us to correct us when we have little faith, or no faith. Several months ago, Pastor Corey shared a message about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water to Jesus. And then along the journey, somewhere along the way, he got his eyes off Jesus, began to look around at what he was doing, and he started sinking, and Jesus had to come save him. 
We know the story, but the interesting thing is when Jesus pulled Peter up out of the water, he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The word there literally means waver. See, what Jesus was saying to Peter, and I want you to hear this today, what Jesus was saying to Peter was, why is it that you looked out when I'm walking on the water and you say, Jesus, is that, if that's really you, let me come to you. And I say, come on out. And so you get out of the boat and you start walking, but then halfway on the journey, you look down and realize, wow, this is impossible what I'm doing. I shouldn't be doing this. And then you sunk down in the water. Why did your faith waver? Can I break this and down and bring it to home today? Why is it we come to church on Sunday and we ask God to do something miraculous and we walk on water for two or three days, but when things don't turn our way, why is it we start looking for another answer? Boy, it's quiet in here today. Why does our faith waver? Why do we believe things on some days, but we don't go the whole journey until God performs a miracle see what we don't realize is sometimes God's moving furniture around in the universe trying to get an answer to us and he just needs us to stand in faith until he gets the answer there that's good you need to think about that why did you waver one more little story there's a story of Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration and he comes down off the mountain with Peter James and John and there's the rest of the disciples and this man had a son who was demon-possessed, and the demon was trying to kill him. So he, he brought the boy looking for Jesus, and Jesus is up on the mountain, and the disciples are trying to cast the devil out of the guy, and they're not having any, any success. And so this crowd of people gathers around as this demonic power is manifesting itself on this young boy. And as this begins to happen, they begin to argue among themselves. They begin to debate, well, this is what's happening, this is why. And of course, the religious guys are throwing in their two sins, and the doctors are throwing in their two sins, and everybody's got an opinion about this whole thing. And Jesus walks up and says, what are you disputing about? What's all the arguing? And then they tell him the story. And Jesus has two things to say about the situation that I want you to notice. First, he looks at the whole crowd and he says, you are a faithless and a perverse generation. Now we know what faithless means, you don't believe God, but this word perverse here means to distort things, to distort it to the point where you misinterpret scripture and what God has said. You misinterpret God's intentions and then your teaching begins to corrupt people's thinking and corrupt people's faith. What Jesus is saying is, as soon as you start stepping into doubt and start processing that and speaking that, the first thing you know, you start corrupting people's faith all the way around you. And Jesus said, you're not only a faithless generation, you're all tied up in trying to find reasons why God can't be God. It's interesting. He gets alone with his disciples and they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus said, it was because of your unbelief. Your lack of believing that God would use you to do that. You see, Jesus always rebuked and corrected people for little faith. But then there's a third point in this message that I want to really drive home today. And I want to look at two things in Scripture real quickly. Look at Matthew chapter 8. 
Jesus looks for faith. He responds to faith. He's moved by faith. He tries to correct us when we have no faith. But number three, Jesus always honors extraordinary great faith. He just does. Matthew chapter 8. I want to read this story. We're going to begin at verse number 5. Matthew 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now, pause here a moment. A centurion is a Roman soldier who probably has a hundred soldiers at his command. Okay? So he's not a private. He's somebody who has authority in the Roman army. He comes to Jesus and he begins to plead with Jesus, asking him intently for something. Verse 6 saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. He's not coming on his own behalf. He's not one of the Israelis. He's not one of the Jews. He's not one of the religious people. He's a Roman soldier. He's a man in authority. But he comes to Jesus because he's heard what Jesus can do. He starts talking about his servant who's really, really ill. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him but the centurion answered and said lord i'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed in other words what he says is just give the command right here where you are he'll be healed you don't need to come to my house you're busy you've got things to do i don't even need i'm not even worthy of somebody like you coming into my house but if you'll give the command my servant will be healed Verse 9, now listen to his reasoning, his faith. For I also am a man under authority. He says, I have people over me who give me commands, and I obey those commands. And I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. He said, when I give a command, people jump around me. When I receive commands, I jump. I understand what authority is. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Think about that. What Jesus was saying was, look at this man. He's not a Jew. He doesn't have the religious teaching that other people have. But yet he understands my power. He understands the authority God has given me to do these things. And he doesn't even need me to go to his house. He says, just give the command and it's going to happen. Jesus said, that's great faith. You know, it's interesting. Church life. A lot of us have been in church a long time. And a lot of us have read so many books and heard so many sermons and so many teachings that give us 94 opinions about God and his healing power that we're struggling trying to process it all. Somebody walks in from the outside who doesn't know anything about God and they walk in and say, I've got this need, can you help me? And you pray a prayer of faith and they receive it. God works a miracle. And sometimes we scratch our heads and say, God, I don't understand this. And God says, that's because I'm looking for faith. I'm not looking for theology. I'm looking for faith. I'm looking for people who believe me. 
Verse 13 says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. See, Jesus said, This man had great faith. Why do we question whether or not Jesus has the authority to heal? Why do we question whether or not it's God's will to heal? Why do we question this and why do we question that? And why do we talk ourselves into believing something that doesn't even align with scriptures? Why are we always looking for reasons to not believe rather than to believe God? Why? We need to understand the authority Jesus has and put ourselves under his authority and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me. Then one other thing I want to talk about in a moment, but, you know, I was... I was meeting with the pastor friend, an older retired pastor a few days ago, and we were talking about things of God and, and, and just talking about ministry in general. And he began to talk about miracles and healings and how some parts of the world receive so much and other areas receive so little. And he talked about the fact that in America, people's attention is drawn in so many directions that we can find help in so many areas that we seldom go to God until we get to the end of our rope. I have a good friend, Ann was with him in India, Ron Cargay, who we work with in India. Ron Cargay, when he comes to America, we always go out to eat whatever kind of food he wants to eat. And he told me one day, I said, what do you think about America? He said, I love America, except when you go to a restaurant or when you go to the shopping center, wherever you go, there are too many options he said i open up a menu and there's so many things i don't know what to choose you go to the store there's so many things to choose from i don't know what to choose he said at home it's so much more simple can i tell you something for a lot of us that's a spiritual problem in america we have so many options god usually ends up at the end of the line and we go to him last jesus always honors great faith look at matthew chapter 15 one more quick story i want you to see matthew chapter 15 verse 20 or verse 21 let's start at verse 21 i'll read it to you jesus went out from there and departed to the region of tyre and sidon behold a woman of canaan came from the region and cried out to him saying have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. See, this is another Gentile person. It's a woman who comes who doesn't have the teaching of the Israelis, doesn't have the Jewish religion, but she comes for her daughter who's demon-possessed and says, Please help me. Jesus doesn't talk, and the disciples said, Lord, just get rid of her. Verse 24, but Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshiped, saying, Lord, help me. See, what Jesus said was, I didn't come for the Gentiles. I came to the Jews first. I've not come for people like you. And she came and worshiped and said, please, help me. Heal my daughter. Verse 26, Jesus answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What an insult. It's a Jewish insult to tell the Gentiles, you're, you're just a dog in the sight of God. You don't belong at this table. 
healing. That's the children's bread. But notice her response. Verse 27, she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So that Gentile woman will always be remembered for her great faith. Because basically she came to Jesus and she said, I am not leaving until I get what I came for. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what you do to me. You are my only hope. You're the only one who has the power to liberate my daughter. And I am not leaving. I am not walking away until you send forth the word and heal my daughter. She said, I'm not going to end this walk. I'm not going to believe one day and walk away the next day in doubt. I'm going to believe and I'm going to stand right here until I receive what I need from you. Jesus said, that's great faith. Jesus always honored extraordinary faith. I want to tell you a story in finishing today. I've told you many occasions, you know, I, I grew up in a family that attended church. My mom took me to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. Every time the doors were open, we were there. I was one of those kids raised in church. And I'll always remember, as long as I live, I'll never lose this memory. When I was about 12 or 13 years of age, our pastor had been doing some teaching about healing and praying for people and, and you know, believing God to to work in people's lives. And he started talking regularly, asking us to pray for a specific woman, and he called her by name. I won't use her name today, but he said, be sure and pray for this woman and called her name and said, she's been in the hospital. We've been visiting her. She's very, very ill. She's got serious issues. The doctors can't find an answer. They don't know what to do for her. This woman didn't attend our church. She'd been away from God for a lot of years. She'd gotten sick. She'd had several back surgeries and she could no longer get out of bed. She, she was incapacitated. Infection then set in in her body and got into her vital organs. And they couldn't get the infection cleared up. And finally, she was in a specialized hospital. And the specialist walked in and said, ma'am, we don't know what to do for you anymore. You're at the end of the road. We've done all we can do. It's going to take a miracle for you to ever get out of this hospital. You've got a death sentence on your life. The pastor and his wife kept visiting this woman, praying with her. Week after week, and it was so unusual. He kept saying, pray for this woman. Pray for this woman. She needs a miracle. Everybody knew her name, but nobody knew her. She didn't attend our church. Then one Sunday evening, went to church. There I was, a teenager sitting two or three rows back right over there where I always sat with my friends. We had the first part of the service. We worshiped. We sang praises to God. The pastor walked to the microphone. He said, tonight's a different kind of night because before we preach or do anything else, we're going to pray for people. And then he told this story. He said, out that set of doors, and like our building is laid out, our ch home church was much smaller, but a similar layout. He said, out that, outside that set of double doors right there, in the very first parking space, right next to those doors, our church station wagon is parked there. 
And he called the woman's name and said, she's lying on a cot in the back of that station wagon. Because as a last request, she told the doctor she wanted to come to church. And she's lying there with her nightgown on and, and she's been locked up in the hospital for months and months and months, but the doctors have no hope. It's going to take a miracle for her to live. And he said, tonight, we're going to pray and believe God for a miracle. He said, we've wired up a speaker. We put a speaker in the back of that station wagon and she's listening to the service. And he called her name and he said, ma'am, right now, and we pray, I want you to just reach out your hand and lay your hand on that speaker as a point of contact in faith, believing God to heal you and make you whole. And so the pastor began to pray. Now I'm on the second or third row with my buddies. Doesn't take me long to pray, it never has. I'm a man of few words. I pray pretty quick, but the pastor prayed and he prayed and he prayed and people around me were praying and praying and praying. I've been raised in church. I know what you do. You sing songs, you pray, then the preacher preaches. You have altar call, people pray again. You go out to eat and then you go home. So I'm sitting there looking at my watch thinking, okay, when are we gonna go on with this thing? <laughs> Prayer goes one minute and then two minutes, then three minutes and then five. And I didn't know, I thought this is unusual. The pastor just kept standing there worshiping. Wouldn't go on with the service. And I thought, what in the world? This is so unusual. I don't know how long it was. It seemed like 20, 30 minutes passed. And people just kept standing. We were all standing all that time just praying. It was like everything came to an end and time stopped and we weren't going to do anything until God answered prayer. Several minutes passed. And all of a sudden, my, I had a good seat to see it. I was sitting right over there. I could, I could look right across at those doors. All of a sudden, one of those double doors opened up. And real slowly, this lady begins to walk through the doors, and she's wearing a nightgown and, and a robe. And her face is white as a ghost. You could tell she hadn't been out in the sunlight for a long time. Her hair was a mess. Women don't go to hair, don't go to church with their hair looking like that. She didn't care. Her hair was a mess. And she walked out very slowly, and as she got through those doors, and in her trailing hand, you could see a huge back brace that she'd been wearing. And she slowly walked to the front of the building and she said, folks, forgive me for holding up church. First of all, I haven't walked in a long time and I had to learn how again. Second of all, I was wearing this back brace and it was hurting me and I had to get it off. But she said, when I reached out and laid my hand on that speaker in the back of that station wagon, it was just like the woman with the issue of blood that the power of Jesus began to flow through my body. And she said, I've been made whole by the power of God. She spent several years traveling, preaching the gospel with the healing ministry. I'm going to tell you something. You take a 13-year-old boy sitting in a church service seeing, like that, seeing something like that. Don't you ever come to me and tell me God doesn't do that stuff. I've seen too many miracles. God responds to great faith. God responds to faith. This morning, I want to pray for people. Physical things, spiritual things, material things, you have a need. I want to pray for you today. How many people in this room would just lift a hand and say, I need God to intervene in an area of my life. I need a miracle. Let me, let me see your hands. Just hold them up. All right, stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet right there where you are. As a sign of your faith, I want you to stand to your feet.
This is not something religious we're doing. It's something we're doing in faith and obedience to God. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray this morning. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. But I'm going to pray today. And I'm going to believe that God's going to intervene in your life and respond to your faith and the cry of your heart. So here's what I want you to do. As we begin to pray, you don't have to lift your hands. If you want to, you can. But I want you to lift that knee to God. And I want you to tell God right now, right out loud. You don't have to scream it. But I want you to tell God what you need from him today, what you're believing him for. You may say, well, God already knows. You know what? Call it out. Say, God, I need this in my life today. And we're going to pray and believe God to intervene on your behalf. Let's pray right now. Lift that need to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this building today, people are standing because they have needs. And we are asking for specific things. For some people it's physical, some it's spiritual, some it's material or financial. For some it's a domestic need in a family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to be God right now in these people's lives. We are standing in faith. We are asking right now. You said ask, we would receive that our joy would be full. Father, we're asking right now. We're speaking those things out. We're calling those things out. We're asking for those things in Jesus' name. And we declare right now, we will stand in faith. We will walk in faith. We will get out of the boat right now. We will not stop walking we won't give up on this journey but until our answer comes we will stay in faith because you are our source you are our hope you are our only hope God bring this about now in Jesus name I pray now just lift your hands and give God praise right now give God praise for answering that prayer come on use your words use your words use your words and give God praise it's okay to clap but use your words give God praise father we thank you right now I thank you, Father, that you've heard my prayer. You're responding to my prayer. You're seeing my faith. And God, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm not getting back in the boat. I'm not going to fall in the water. I'm going to stay right here and watch you be God in my life and do miraculous things. In Jesus' name, I praise you. Now, all over the house, let's just give God praise for a moment. Father, thank you today. Thank you today for what you've said, what you're doing in our lives. We give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. One last thing I've got to do. You might be sitting here today and you say, you know, this is all great and wonderful, but I don't know God. Can I really expect God to get involved in my life, in my problems? Is there really a God out there who cares? Absolutely. Jesus said, God cares so much about you, he knows how many hairs are on your head, which is an ever-changing number, but he knows at any moment exactly how many hairs are there. If he knows that, how much, does he, how much else does he know about you? Maybe you're sitting here today and you say, well, if God cares, what do I have to do to get him involved in my life? God's looking for one thing today, and that's your faith. He wants to be believed. He wants you to believe he sent his son to die for your sins. He raised him from the dead to pay for your past. He put everything wrong with you on his son on the cross so that everything that was right with Jesus could be poured into your life. He wants you to believe that. John 3:16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, how do I start this relationship with God? You see, 
we don't want to give you religion. We don't want to put you in some dead, dry form. We want to introduce you to a God who wants to be your father, who wants to be involved in every area of your life, who wants to communicate and talk with you, who wants to teach you his ways so you can enjoy his blessings. He wants to be your father, but he needs you to say yes to him. It all starts with words. You call it prayer, but it's just words. It's communicating with God. It's talking to God. I want to lead you in a prayer that will help you begin that journey. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me and wrap your heart around it. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. It's a serious, important moment. I'm going to ask everybody in the building to pray this prayer with me right out loud. You don't need to scream it, but just cry it loud, right out loud and say, God, I need you. And I believe you. I want you in my life. I open my heart to you. Please come in. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to learn your ways. I want to be your child. So come into my life. Become my father, and I will know you throughout eternity. Thank you for receiving me. And now the journey begins. Amen. Now look right here, I'm almost finished. That prayer is the most important prayer you can ever pray in life. Whether you pray it for the first time or whether you're the prodigal who's been on the run who decided it's time to come home. It's an important prayer, important words. Now. That's just the beginning of your journey and your relationship with God. It's not the end. It's the beginning. But we want to help you build a relationship with God. We've got a little booklet. It's our gift to you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little bit of simple reading each of the next seven days to help you get started walking with God. And we want to give it to you. No strings attached. It doesn't cost you a thing. Two ways you can get it. When we're finished in a few minutes, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here. They're people of faith who pray prayers of faith. They'll pray with you about any need you have. But if you just walk up to one of these teams and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. But please let us give you this book. Now, if you're in a really big rush today, you can go out to the lobby right in the middle of the glass doors where you exit. There's a big sign up right there. You can stop by there and get the very same thing the next seven days. It'll help you get started in your relationship with God. We'd love to give this to you today. God bless you. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? We love you. Welcome Pastor Ann this morning. What an awesome service. God is at work. Keep believing. Don't give up. He is faithful. He's so good. I'm so thankful, aren't you? Yes. Well, I am so happy to be home and just back in church with you today. And, you know, this is the time in our service when we worship God with our giving. And as we prepare to do that today, I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. And I just want to remind you that when we give here at the bridge, our giving is not just impacting people's lives here locally in our community, but our giving truly is impacting people across the globe through all of our different missions, partnerships. And you know, one of those partnerships is in 
the nation of India. And I just returned, Sarah was with me, we just returned this week after being in India for 12 days. And it was amazing to see what God is doing there. We did a women's conference in a, a more remote part of India, Northeast India, where women came, traveled for hours to get there. And just to see their excitement and their hunger for God and, and how God responded to that hunger and that faith and just showed up and did awesome things in their lives. It was just incredible. But in addition to the women's conference, we also did a two-day leadership training with pastor's wives and women in leadership in their churches. And, you know, the conference was amazing, but this leadership training is what really excites my heart because there's so much potential there as these women are equipped and then go back into their villages and to their churches to begin women's ministries. And they learn how to minister to women who are so oppressed and victimized by the culture there. And it's just amazing to see their hearts expand and their excitement to be able to minister to women and help women understand their value there. And every year there's just unique things that we see. This year, one of the things that really grabbed my heart was just to see the fruit of the prior years when we've been there. This is our sixth year going. And there was so much fruit that I saw from the ministry that we're all part of there. And to see leaders just really rising up and, and carrying the ministry in their hearts and being willing to do whatever it takes to minister to women amidst great opposition, it was amazing. And there was one particular lady that really just stood out to me. She had come to the women's conference for the last three years and God had done so much in her life and she really began to understand her value and how God sees her as a woman regardless of what their culture says. And she has not only begun began ministering to women in her church and in her area, but now she travels to other churches speaking to women there and helping equip them to start ministry to women. And that may not sound like a big deal here in our culture, but in their culture, it is unheard of, and it is miraculous to have a woman start doing that. And so I want to tell you today, this is not just something that I'm doing. This is something that we as a church are part of and that we are doing. We are making a difference in people's lives in India because we together not only support the ministry there, but we sponsor these women's conferences and the leadership training. So as you give today, I just want you to be encouraged and know that your giving is not just impacting people here locally, but together we are making a great difference in the lives of people in India. So God bless you as you give today. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And as the ushers come, let's check out our church news together. everyone and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Mia and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you enjoy your morning in church and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. Summer is in full effect and we want to help you stay connected throughout this season. Here's a look at what's happening in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. We want to invite you to join us for a trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land. 
This 10-day tour of Israel will take place in June 2020, and it's complete with a messianic Israeli guide, deluxe hotel accommodations, and the best Middle Eastern food you can imagine. Whether your passion is to walk in the footsteps of Jesus or visit the most famous biblical locations, our tour is suitable for every type of travel. We journeyed from Caesarea by the sea to Mount Carmel, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and even to Masada. Our journey concludes in the city of Jerusalem where you will walk the Via Dolorosa. We'll visit the Western Wall, journey to Golgotha, and conclude with a moving communion service at the Garden Tomb. And also, while we're there, you're gonna have the opportunity to worship on the Sabbath with a Christian congregation in Israel. So if you're interested in joining us on this amazing trip, please sign up at the Information Center and then watch for our informational meeting to come in the next few weeks. Our desire at The Bridge is for everyone to know others and be known. If you have a desire to build deeper relationships with others and facilitate spiritual growth in a smaller setting, then we want you to consider being a leader of a connect group. On Sunday, August 11th, we will be having a connect group leader training to prepare for our fall term. Returning leaders will be meeting at 1045 in the chapel for a brief refresher. Those who are interested in becoming a new leader will be gathering at 1 p.m. in the chapel for a training. If you would like to find out more about leading a connect group, please sign up on the church website, our app, or stop by the info center on your way out. We would love to meet with you and see you lead a connect group this fall at the bridge. Wednesday night. Thank you so much for your prayers throughout the week. We will see your students next Wednesday, August 7th. Connecting Point is happening next Sunday morning during the 1130 service. If you are new to the bridge or looking to get plugged in, Connecting Point is the first place that you go. Come and hear about the heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church, but most importantly, discover where you fit in. We would love to meet you and help you find your place in the church. If you'd like to join us, just sign up before you go today at the Info Center. You can also sign up on our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or through the Bridge app. We hope you'll join us next Sunday morning at 11.30 at Connecting Point. If you are new to the Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. 
For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. Have a wonderful Sunday. We are so excited about our annual Back to School Bash coming up this Saturday. Such an amazing event where we're able to help families facing financial difficulty get their students ready for a new school year and just to be able to set them up for success by giving them backpacks and school supplies and school clothes and student haircuts and all of that. It's just awesome. So if you have already signed up to be part of this event, to serve at this event, please be watching your emails for your planning center email and be sure to open that and to click accept so that we know you will be there to serve, okay? And if you have not yet signed up to serve but you would like to be involved with this event, it's not too late. There's a sign-up sheet out at the Information Center. You can just stop by there and sign up before you leave today. And I'll just tell you two areas that we're especially in need of help for this event. One is if you are a hairdresser or barber, we could really use your help. We always have tons of students in need of haircuts, and so we would love to have a few more hairdressers and barbers. So if that's you, you can sign up. And then also on... Friday morning, we will begin setting up for this event. This event is, uh, the, the setup for this event, I should say, is massive. And it's a huge undertaking. It takes a lot of hands to help pull it off. So if you're available on Friday morning, starting at 8 o'clock or even any time thereafter, and you want to stop by the church, just come out front, and you'll see the setup happening, and we'll put you to work. And that would be awesome. We would just love to have your help with that. All right? It's going to be an amazing event. Hope you can be part of it and you'll hear all about it next Sunday. Please be praying for our youth as they are off to camp this week. God's going to do incredible things in their lives as well. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We love you.